There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Tony Tucker was his right-hand man, so please welcome Lee Chapman. To the Criminal Connection podcast. Down comes this guy, and it was Tony Tucker. And they were opening in a club in Romford called Hollywood's Romford. We'd like you to come and work for us. But he, he was a low-ranking. I mean, we had some of the monsters there. Some of them were still inside for murder. And Pat Tate was in there a couple of times. I didn't like him at all. Tony rose up a little bit, and he was come my number two. Anyway, life went on, and then the Roy Shaw incident happened. Joe Paul, um, and, and obviously Tony Lambiano, all them guys, they were always around, weren't they? Yeah, he goes, I just need someone to back me up so in another car. So I said, yeah. He goes, can you bring one of your mates? They said their name straight away. They carted the 4x4 away really quick. Their own just still came into my club a couple of times, not many. You wouldn't have been in the car with them. You'd have been literally... I would have been in the back. I would have been in another car. If you had done that, maybe they'd still be here. So, so you've been shot-stabbed, petrol-bombed and slashed. Is there anything you haven't done yet? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Criminal Connection Podcast. My name's Terry Stone, a.k.a. The Podfather. Today, we've got a special guest, Lee Chapman. He was there. He saw it. He was around. Tony Tucker was his right-hand man, so please welcome Lee Chapman to the Criminal Connection Podcast. Thanks for coming on, Lee. No problem. It's good to meet you. Yes. Um, and uh, you've, you've obviously had uh, a, a, a crazy life. Not very uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, um, I've lived. You've lived a life. I've lived. Yeah, you've lived a life. 
But you've been kind of kept under the radar, really, because, uh, you know, lots of people, um, as, you, as you'll be aware, are obsessed with, um, you know, the, the Tony Tucker, the Pat Tate, the Craig Rolfe, the Essex boys, whatever you want to call them, you know, the murders, the this, the that. So, um, you know, you, um, you know, obviously worked on the doors back in the day. You still do it now. But what, where did you actually grow up? Well, I did boxing right. um, at Berry Boys. And then from then on, I went to do judo. From judo, I went into the sports centres. Got it. And then the guy who was aerial manager was working in a club called Fantasies in South End. Right. So he came up to me and said, listen, do you fancy doing a bit of door work? So I said, yeah, okay. So um, it was a bank holiday Monday. And I went into the club with Kevin down comes this guy. His shoulders were so wide that he was rubbing them on the walls. Right. And he walked down, and it was Tony Tucker. So Kevin said, this is Lee, so on. So I went to shake his hand, and now Tony always had this little phrase, I ain't shaking your hand, I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, which he used quite a few times, and it, it intimidated people. And, but after a while, we come so close, you know, we did building work together, we trained together. We went out for meals, we had a laugh. I helped him move out of his house when he left his wife. Right. Well, that was worse. Um, but what I always know about Tony was his hands. He had such massive hands, like shovels. Right. And when he used to come and eventually cover you, he'd put his hands on your back, bang, like that. And it was like, boy, him being hit with a shovel. So, you know? so, so with the door stuff, um, <clears throat> obviously you were doing the boxing and, and the judo and stuff. Um, did, was that just a natural progression to just work on the door for you? Uh, no, I was so I got into the sports centre. I just won the Nationals in the Essex. Right. So they offered me a job in Basildon Sports Centre, uh, Bromford Sports Centre. Well, so, like um, so I was there, and then Kevin say was an aerial manager, yeah. and he was working fantasies with Tony, and they needed some big guys. You know, I was 22 stone, strong as an ox, so on and so on. So he uh, said to me, "Do you fancy doing a door?" So they paid me 40 pound a night. Which going back in there, it was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. I was only earning six hundred a month in the sports centre. Got it. So, so what was you doing? How many do how many nights were you working there at Fantasies? Well, I started off with just the two, and then I yep. got everything, anything that was going. I got you know. So. so, was you the head doorman there? No, no. Tony was the head doorman. Tony ran it, but um, I I just worked myself up. We had four guys. We had Steve Lukey, yeah. who was a big boxer. You know, we had another guy, Danny. He looked like Martin Shaw out of the professionals, you know. He had tidy, curly little hair. And we had uh, another guy called, um, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. But he was an ex-para and he was yeah. a strategist. Got it. Richard, his name was. Uh, but he was, um, he was knocked down, knocked down, knocked down. So it was just me, Tony and Tucker that done all the nights. So what was, and that was in Romford, right? No, no, this was South End. South End, so Fantasies, Fantasies, Fantasies yeah. End, right, okay. Just up the top of the escalators it was. Yeah, and what was what was was it quite um, lively there? Yeah, very lively. The trouble with the club was it was had mirrors everywhere, and all you'd hear is you'd hear a slap that'd be Tony, you hear you'd hear a smashing of a glass, and that'd be Steve Lukey, and then me I used to kind of make people scream because I, <laughs> I was really good at pressure points and stuff, you know. Right. So if somebody grabbed hold of me or so I'd pressure point them, they'd be screaming their heads off. So we always knew when someone was doing something, you know. Oh, there's someone screaming. <laughs> yeah, be me. Lee. Yeah, if the glass machine, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Slap. So Tony used to like back. I'd never, never see him punch anybody. He would just go slump and knock their heads off nearly, you know. And so he was. He was. Yeah, I never see him punch. Never see him punch at all. Yeah. So, so that was. Um, 
At, at that point, that, was he just working on the door then? No, he was a chippy originally. Right. He, he was still doing chippy work, and when he had his brother did demolition. And so we, we went off to London, and we're knocking down a pub. So we were doing door of the night, knocking down a pub, and so on, so. Did you sort of train with him as well? Yeah, I trained with him, sparred with him. Right. Um, oh, so he used to box as well? He did, yeah, because Steve Luke, he was a heavy, super heavyweight boxer. Right. So he used to take Tony boxing. So I said, I'll have some of that. So I sparred with Tony as well. Who, who won? <laughs> Tony, and I trained with Tony, but Tony was, he, he'd have like 10 kilos and he'd be doing it slow. And I'll be having 300 pounds and I'll be banging it about. So we didn't really train together because I know what you mean. Yeah, we were too mean. different apart. And the same with the boxing, really. We was too far apart to... Uh, yeah. You know, so he'd done it more like for self-defence? Like, yeah, he was, he was well into his fitness. I, I never see him drink. I never see him drink tea, coffee, nothing like that. Um, his wardrobe, when I went round his house, was like Batman's. He'd have shirt, trousers, T-shirt, shirt, trousers, T-shirt, jeans. He, and that do you think he had OCD? Or do you... Well, I don't know. <laughs> he, he, he'd never ever see him wear anything else other than jeans, T-shirt, trousers for work. And he wasn't really into fashion or nothing, but going on a little bit further, you'll laugh at the, bit, the next bit I'm going to tell you. Yeah. So I lost the job at Fantasies. Um, but these two guys were poaching me. They kept looking at me. So I went up and said, what are you doing? Why, what's the matter? What's the matter? I thought something was up. They said, oh, no, no, we're opening a club in Romford called Hollywood's Romford. We'd like you to come and work for us. And coincide, I got a sack from Fantasies. What was you sacked for? Was it well, <laughs> making people scream too much? No, nah, this, this American <laughs> came in who was the boss's best friend yeah so we had an argument because he told me to get him and you don't go to somebody get someone i mean some us put him way there and he argued him and it was a good 20 minutes anyway after it all finished he went to me what time do you finish work so i took it upon myself that he wanted to straighten with me so i bashed the hell out of him <laughs> and as i have finished he had a he had a yellow ski coat on it was covered you know i, I was really horrible to him and then the boss came out and Kevin went, uh, uh, he's your friend. <laughs> and he was just laying in a heap. So I got a sack. Tony said, well, we could go, okay. So I went off to Hollywood's Romford. I was there when they were still doing building work in it. Wow. Showed me around. I was with some bad people. Though. And I was only young. Um, and then it opened and we had a good time and things were good. And then um, Tony got a sack for clouting one of the manageresses or managers. He don't got sacked for what? He got sacked for clout in one of the managers right. around the head. So he got the sack. So I said, Tony, come and work with me. Oh, yeah, come here. It's brilliant. You know, the money's good. Come. So he came. Um, but he, he was low ranking. I mean, we had some of the monsters there. Some of them were still inside for murder. You know, these were tough men, you know. Toughest men I've ever met. So, but when Tony got there... Romford was a fucking lovely place, though. Yeah, yeah. Tony was a little bit... Uh, I to put it down on everything. You know, everybody kind of looked at him, who's this? He had long hair. You know, he's a good-looking guy. These were all, you know, monsters. You know? Yeah. So Tony uh, was well low down in it. Um, you had, like, some Mick Kelly, um, Roger Beckley. These were all tough, tough men, you know, and they didn't trust many people, you know, so... Um, so were they the guys who got went down for murder? Uh, Roger... No, um, Pierre St. Ange and Peter Dean got done for murder. And the Colonel, Royal Hire. Was, was that linked to the club or was that something else? They were, just... they were doing stuff outside work, you know. It was to do with um, Pierre St. Angie's girlfriend being hurt badly. So they got the guy and hurt him badly as well. As you do. Yeah, <laughs> so, as you do. 
So uh, they all kind of got the boot in a way, and they got put down and stuff. <clears throat> so then Tony, uh, Tony rose up a little bit, and he was come my number two. And then we had, uh, say, Mick Kelly. Mick Kelly and him didn't get on at all because Mick Kelly, a very clever man, you know, very smart, and he wanted to take over Hollywood. He wanted he had quite a few other places, Liquid. He had quite a few other places. Right. Very, very good man as well. I sparred with Mick Kelly as well. Now, very tough, very tough. Um, good, good friends. You know, I met him just on New Year's Eve. Yeah. We all had a meal together. It was like we'd never been apart. You know, very, very close to me. Very, very good man. So, um, anyway, life went on, and then the Roy Shaw incident happened. Was that? What, what and that was all over Romford. Yeah, that, 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 that was a funny one. I've got a lot of admiration for Roy Shaw. I did. But what happened was um, they let him in, and he was going around talking to the doorman. Did he do his? Did he? Did, did he do his his party trick? What? What's his party trick? So, so I, oh. I, first time I met him, was in a, in 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 a bar. There was a there was a box a boxing thing, right? And we was all in a bar having a drink, and everyone was like, "What am I laughter?" And uh, and I've looked over, and he was at the bar, and the guy goes, "Oh, come and meet Roy. You know, he like he like you, blah blah." And as I'm walking over, he's standing there, um, like with his trousers pulled down, and I was just like, "What the fuck's going on over <laughs> here?" Right? And and he used to do this party trick, where he put a cigarette in his, it, yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, I've seen some weird yeah. that, that and, stuff. And he'd stand there going like that, and it, it looked like his dick was smoking a cigarette, and everyone was like laughing and cheering and all that. No, you know, and I was that. and I was a bit like, <laughs> void, you know. Uh, really good to meet you, um, <laughs> but it was a bit just a bit weird. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that was one of his party tricks, well, and I didn't that. know if he was doing that. That's no, no, he didn't do him. that. He, he went round all the doormen and was chatting with them about certain things. Yeah, you know, it was boxing, so he chatted with them about boxing. Then he came up to me, and his arms, you know, what I mean, he had the amazing arms, the big shoulders protruded. Beautiful arms, how you know old, what I mean? How old? How old he must he? have been late 50s. Because I think I met still... him just before he died. It was probably oh. about five or six years before he died. And and uh, and that was when he was doing the party trick. But yeah. but then, even as as an elderly man, he still looked f f yeah. f ferocious. You well, know? So you've got to go back a little bit further. See, when I worked Stringfellows, he came in there. And that's when I saw him. And he was he was away with the fairies. He didn't know where he was. Because he he'd always been with Joe, Joe Paul, didn't he? He's with yeah, Joe Paul. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and obviously, Tony Lambiano, all them guys, they were always around, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I went to a wedding and they were all there. I'll tell you about that. <laughs> but um, So he went round chatting with him, and I thought, well, you know, what a decent guy. You know, he was asking me about weights. He said to me, don't ever touch bars, always do dumbbells. So, and I did really. That's all I know. So there was a little fracard downstairs, and he, he left. You know, I don't, I don't know it because I was upstairs. And then uh, next. The manager was like panicking, said, don't let him in, don't let him in, don't let him in. And then the next night, I'm upstairs anyway. No, I was number one then, so I was upstairs. Anything that happened, I got called. So they called me, run downstairs. As I was coming downstairs, there was Dorman running up the stairs. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? I got there and there he was outside. He took his top off, but he had a vest on. And the first thing I noticed was his arms. Oh, he had good arms, you know, and big shoulders. So, um... I said, what's going on? And they all, the manager shouted, get the police, get the police. So I said, oh, and I just pulled the catch down over the door, went out there. And he went to me, get out of the way, you F-C-U-N-T. So I said, shut up, I've got abs. And that was always a confuser to people when people call me a fat sod or fat whatever. I go, I've got abs. And they, you can see their face and their lights go, huh? Like that. Then he stood sideways and he went for me, but 
it was too late. I hit him, well, head butted him, flipped him over. My favourite thing to do to someone is flip them over and land on top of them. So yeah, if you've got <laughs> like WWE move. <laughs> if you've got 20, 33 stone going across your rib cage and stuff, you ain't going nowhere. Right. Then I picked him up, dragged him and threw him in the bushes. But they were rose bushes. Right. And the manager, manager complained, yeah, because it tore him to pieces. The manager complained because he said to me, uh, you've ruined roses. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that was quite a bit of a runny joke. They called me Lee the Rose Basher. <laughs> you know? But and then um, he, his friends, because he had a few friends with him, they got him out. And then uh, we went inside, forgot about it. In a way, we talked about it. Oh, he's done someone again, you know, all that rubbish. And then <laughs> it was a call to the front door again, went to the front door. He's back out there, he's back out there. So this was a good two hours later. So when I've looked out, you know, the, the arms that go up and down, stop you going in the car park, I could see these feet in his ass and his head. He was hiding behind there. So I like, we went outside and he was just waiting away. away. Police come, drove down, took him away and found an hammer. Right. Nothing was said about it for them. But after that, months later, he'd turn up at the door across the road by the bus station with a pen and paper. And I'll go, hello. And he'd go, I'm getting your car number. And I went, oh, I'll come by bus. And he went, you're a funny F-U-C-K. So I said, you, yeah. You can say funny cunt. Yeah. Roll out of swear. Well, this just, isn't a PG it's podcast. Not my, it's, it's not that. It's just not my nature to <laughs> swear, you know what I mean? Right. Been around ladies all day. Right, okay. So anyway, so um, he, uh, he turned up a couple of times, you know. Then this girl came up to me in the club and said, do you know who I am? So I said, no. She went, find out who I am. And it was his daughter. She right. said she had to sum him up that night and patch him up. So that, that was the end of the Roy Shaw thing. But the weird thing, I was in the towns, Romford Town Centre, police would come up to me, shake my hand. I was like, what? I was like a celeb. People right. coming out, photos done with me. <laughs> so it's crazy, it's crazy. So. So, so, uh, so, so, so so that was obviously an, <laughs> an eventful night, but then I suppose that yeah. cemented your your yeah. thing. And what was, was Tony there that night? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What was, did he um, think about it? Or was he just leaving you to it? Well... They all came out, uh, Tony, the ones that were reliable came out, but there weren't much to do or see, or they just stood there really while I've you know, done what I did. You know, with, with, with obviously Tony Tucker, um, you know, there's obviously been all these different films made. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, you've obviously seen them, so you, you know, there's bits that you probably watched and when that happened and that didn't. Um, and obviously there's a lot of myths and a lot of uh, uh, things about who was best friends of him, who wasn't best friends of him. He was this, she was that, blah, blah. But obviously going into that, when when, when did he actually get involved in crime? Because obviously he was fit and he was doing the door. Yeah. But when I did mean, he... He worked with me for ages and I went off to Hollywood's Ipswich. They opened up a club there. So he rang me up and said, I've taken over Hollywood's Romford. Meanwhile, it was a, um, two guys were running it and the, the Leezys, they owned it. Right. So... He said, I've taken over Romford, Lee. You, you have Ipswich, I'll have Romford. I went, okay, whatever, you know. So um, months later, he, he got engaged at the Epping Forest Country Club. Now, this is where I said to you about clothes-wise, you know. I went to there with my girlfriend, lovely Who, who was he getting engaged to at the time? Um, I, I think it might have been Anna. I don't Anna, know. Right? Yeah, I, 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 he, was, he was married because I helped him move house and she had a fit. She was throwing things at us. Then he was, he was, because he was a good looking guy, had a lot of girlfriends, you know, as in the sense one at a time, never all at the same time. Yeah. 
So I went to the Epping Forest Country Club with my girlfriend, lovely lady she was, and uh, he was standing there, leather trousers, a f like a floral shirt with uh, mauve all over it, and this white leather jacket with frills. <laughs> and he was telling everybody he loved them, and he was giving it all the box, you know, just dancing like that. And I just stared at him, and my girlfriend went, oh, and I went, yeah, let's go. And we went, and I didn't see him for a while after that until he came up and asked me, uh, he used to, I used to get people to drop money off to me, the wages, yeah? Now, one of the wages was had paint on it from wherever you can think of, you know what I mean? Norm normally, if you do, dye, a, do dye a bank robbery or, yeah, or on one it. of those, uh, what they call securicore vans. Don't know what he was thinking at the time. I was thinking, how the hell? It was about £470. The doorman came at me at one at a time and said, listen, I've got dye on it. So I rung him up and I said, listen, I've got dye all over it. And... Me personally, I think he didn't know nothing about it because he went, what? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. He got off the phone, came back to me. And like I said, he, he, he was going on holiday. He said, I'll pay you straight back there. I'm so sorry. And he did give me the money straight away. Now, I don't know how all this came in. I didn't want to get involved in it. But uh, say the five pounds had dying on it. So anyway, so after he had me for his country club and the money. So thing, when, he was do when he was doing all this, he'd obviously become ultra-fashionable. Ultra um, well, it was fashion, dancing. I suppose. Was, was, was he obviously off his nut that night? He was right. off his nut, yeah, right. yeah. From one thing, you know, screaming, when I had a gym and uh, my rat used to run around in the gym, screaming and running out, to ring him up, ask me, Lee, what you're wearing, when we was going to go uh, to a nightclub. What am I wearing? It's like, it's like you say, your girlfriend, did not it? Oh, you wear that dress. What are you wearing, Lee? I didn't know whether to wear me dress. From that, like, nicest guy in the world. Sense of humour, amazing. This girl passed out. This is how decent he was. And her dress came up, and she was showing her knickers. Now, he stopped a girl that was walking past and couldn't pull her dress down. I mean, so uh, just decent stuff, you know? Yeah, so things that decent, stay in your mind. He's an honourable man. Really de yeah, decent. decent, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, going back to that, so... Um, where was we? Oh, yeah, he, um, he, so he had all these flary clothes on her. I didn't see him for a while after that. His friends dropped money off, which was dire. And then um, he rang me up out of blue and said, I'll come and see you. So I went, yeah, come see me. Come and see me and ask me whether I fancied doing a bit of uh, chaperoning. Like, you know? So I said, yeah. He goes, I just need someone to back me up so in another car. So I said, yeah. He goes, can you bring one of your mates? Now, I had a friend of mine who was at X SBS. So I, I, he would have been perfect, you know, for anything like that. So I said to him, do you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll come with you, Lee. So, but the trouble was, two days later after that, my daughter rang me up from America saying, I'm coming over tomorrow. And I haven't seen her since she was six. So I said, okay. So I tried to get hold of Tony. I tried to tell him I couldn't do it now. I can't do it. You know, I've got to see my daughter. I've got to pick her up from the airport and all this. And then um, I picked her up about a day or two days later. We were driving through Boreham Wood because I lived in Braintree at the time. Yeah. which is quite close to Chelmsford. Driving through Bournemouth on the radio came that these guys have been killed. But what was weird about it was so quick. You know, there was no uh, not letting their names out. They said their names straight away. They carted the 4x4 away really quick. So that was all a little bit weird. And then they put up Holmes and Steel that did the killings, you know. Now, Holmes and Steel came into my club a couple of times, not many, but they were boot, suited and booted, so I used to give them free entry to the VIP. Very nice guys, you know, very polite, shake their hand, thank you very much. They would have a couple of beers, leave, you know, brilliant. You know. Somebody said that <coughs> Mickey Stildo was um, 
and, and no one sort of facing. He was, he was, he was basically importing and exporting drugs. I mean, I was in Ipswich for twenty two years, and his name never come up once right. in all the circles. So that, so that, so that, that spin of events wasn't true then. Well, I can't say that, but right. I, I was because no, people actually said, "Oh no, he'd, he'd actually been been in." in I think he either got arrested or charged with it, and then he'd done some bird, and then he come out, and then um, I think, you know, and this is again through what people have said, um, uh, you know, he he sold some uh, cannabis or or puff or whatever to to Tony, Pat, and Craig, and something happened where it weren't any good, and then they had a fucking fallout of him, and then they going to kill him, and blah blah blah, and then. Um, you know, he said, well, don't worry, I've got this other thing coming in. And, <clears throat> you know, when we made the first Rise of the Foot Soldier film, obviously we had three different endings so that you, the audience could decide which one they thought was the, the ending. But mm, they were made yes, up. Yes, they I, were made I, I up, did, right? Yeah. We, we didn't know what happened. But um, obviously Jack Worms and Mickey Steele um, were, were blamed for it. Um, they went to jail for it. And, um, you know, they've always protested their innocence. Um, and... You know, some people said they definitely did it. Some people said if they didn't do it, they set it up. Um, so, you know, everybody sort of would love to know what really happened. But the only people that know were the people that was in that car. Yeah. Um, or behind or... Yeah. But, but essentially, that, that you wouldn't have been in the car with them. You'd have been literally I would following. have been at the back. I would have been in another car. Because I'd done some other jobs with Tony where um, he had to get money off people. Um, like, because they owed him. So I went with him a couple of times for them. So I knew what, what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to stay at the back, make sure, you know, that they could get away and go, you know, leave. I mean, I wonder, you know, maybe if, if, if you had done that, maybe they'd still be here. That's what a couple of people have told me this, you know. How can I answer that? Yeah, we don't know, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, don't yeah. know, no. Or you could have been with them. Yeah. You, know, you don't know. Well. But you never know. You never um, know, yeah. Touch wood. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but, you know, did, what... what was there a period of time? I mean, obviously, when you got the, the notes with the dying, you obviously knew that wasn't normal. Um, but did, did... Yeah, but Tony's reaction, it made me realise it weren't him. Right. So I, how do you find out where it's come from? I'll let him do that. Yeah. It's down to him. Because but, it's, but, it's... But, 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 I mean, at that, did he ever say to you, basically, I'm, I'm getting involved in selling drugs? I'm... No, never. Right. So he never really sort of said to you, no. even though... You know, he was sort of like your right man when you was working on the doors and you were doing stuff. He never really said to you. I went off to Ipswich. Then that's when he kind of turned into what he, everybody knows of him today. Right. You know. So. Um, Did you meet uh, uh, Pat Tate? And yeah, Craig I trained Paul? in Progress House in Hadley, and Pat Tate was in there a couple of times, and uh, he, he, yeah, he spotted me. I spotted him, but I didn't like him at all. Even the owner of the gym at the time said, "Don't like him in here." Because when, when he came in, he kind of bullied people off of the equipment. So say right. he wanted to borrow the bench or go on the bench machine, he'd tell it would get off. And, you know, in the afternoon, you had young guys in there, like 18-year-olds, you know, from college, having a quick workout before they got to go back to college. And he abused a few of them, and the, the owner of the gym saw that and said, I don't want him in here, you know. So he, he kind of asked me to tell him not to come in there. Right. But that, by that time, uh, it came around for me to say something to him. He'd been killed, so... Right, OK. Yeah, so... So point. that saved you having that awkward conversation? Well, yeah, I think... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but it, there, was a, there was quite a few of the things he did in the gym. He threw the weights. 
You know, he, uh, he just, he, it's just no good in the gym if you just wanted a decent workout. Got it, got you know, it. So, so if, if, if he was in the gym on his own, in a spit and sawdust place, it'd be great. But if you're in yeah, there with not in a nice, nice people. Spot. Yeah, well, he had just some top bodybuilders come out of there. Sort yeah. of at Lancaster. Loads of, uh, you get about six or seven British uh, bodybuilders go and work in there. And he said to me, if you train here least and not like, charge me, he goes, I'll make you one of the strongest men in the world. So I said, okay, because at the time I was doing colossal stuff, you know. Yeah. So um, that was it, really. So but say he died, no more to do with him either. With, with Craig Rolfe, um, did you meet him? Yeah, he used to drive Tony up to Ipswich. Uh, he, he came quite a few times up to Ipswich when we first opened and come to see me, really. And what um, was he like? Do you like him or was he... He was quiet, very quiet man, you know, just sit in the background. And then Tony would say to him, go and get the car. And he'd go, okay, and he'd shake your hand goodbye and he'd go, you know. Very just a quiet. Yeah, yeah nothing, nothing. And what about um uh Bernard O'Mahoney? Did you come across him? Yeah, a couple of times, you know, not not how do I put it, just kind of by luck or passing. Because right. uh Rakels was my man, I was living in Basildon when Rakels was So did you used to go day, down though? there? I went down there twice, you know. I was not very good nightclubby person. I never right. I was always You're into not my sports. On the door. Yeah. I was always on the sports, and I think you know. So, yeah, I'm working on the door. You don't go night climbing. I didn't anyway. Right. So, right. I'd sooner punch the bag or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what was because um, we had Bernard on. Yeah. Messi, see, yeah. Uh, on, on the podcast, and he had some interesting stories and takes on stuff. And uh, d- did you ever have much to do with him, or did you just remember him from the door when he was? No, I just I just say hello and goodbye, yeah. basically. You know, nothing to do with him. You know, he was still in uh, uh, Basildon when I was in, moved to Romford in Ipswich. Right. So I never had any, really anything to do with him. And, and obviously being, being working with that security firm that was doing all the, all the different things, did, did you sort of start hearing things about what, what they were getting up to and people were saying? Yeah. Well, yeah, we, um, I had my own company, which was running all of Ipswich. Tony had his company that was running all of Romford. Um, the the Leases got fed up with some of the stuff that was going on. In, so they swapped us. Yeah. I came back down to Romford with a few of my guys. They went up to Ipswich. But it went off in Ipswich. My guys that didn't want to come down with me went in there and bashed the hell out of them all for being disrespectful. So it all got changed around again. But when I went to Oliver's Romford, I remember the first day this guy was doing coke on the table and he was sniffing it up. And I walked over to him and he went, do you want some? Uh, it was like so blase and then um, this other guy we went to search him and he was like this and then I see this little bag opened it up and dropped all the ease all over the floor it was like real ripe you know it was crazy do you, do you, but do you think that, that, that Tony was allowing that and that, that's why it was that's why they wanted to get him out I think Tony kind of went at the back of it all you know he was doing other stuff and he, he probably didn't care you know what I mean he, uh, he didn't care at all what was going on? You know, it was like a free for all there when I was because because again, you know, with with uh, the research and what people said, he was obviously, you know, dealing the drugs and so, you know had his people in there and and and, and in Raquel's and all these other clubs. And again, you know, I don't know how true it is, but this is just on research and what people have said. So yeah, I mean, I could say yes and I could say no. Right. You know, what I mean, he if he did, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, right. if he didn't, and he someone else was doing it and using him as a, a tool, yeah. then I could say yes about that as well, you know, so. 
And and up in Ipswich, so so Tony was up there when they when they all got bashed up. They no, Tony. Tony's like I say, Tony had his shop. He had a welder shop for a little while. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He had a welder shop in Ilford. He was uh, doing that, and he, he had some other little things. He was looking after Nigel Ben boxing, yeah. which is how I got him into the boxing really, because right. I looked after Tim Witherspoon when he fought. <coughs> Tim me. Witherspoon, that was a great yeah, fight when he fought Bruno. Was I was I was looking after him, yeah. and uh, me and Gary Mott and uh, uh, Tony. I got Tony into it, so. That's how Tony branched out to look after Nigel Ben, yeah. and I trained with Danny Ben as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it was, yeah so he, he, he was kind of like doing so much. I don't think the little club, well, it was a big club, but a little club was making him any money. So yeah. he was just letting it go was, on. He, you know? so, so, really, I suppose he was an entrepreneur, wasn't he? He had the world of shop, super cute, man. You know what I mean? He, if there was somewhere he could get into, he would do it, you know? Yeah. Boxing, he, he had his. Um, Brother had a big gym, so he used to train there. And his brother gave him work doing demolition, knocking places down in London. So he was in a, one thing to the other, you know. He was into so many stuff. And I think the club was just another it's bit not, of money for him, you know. Yeah. And and with um, and, and obviously when you was hearing uh, things, I mean, you know, I always heard because um, I was doing the the clubs in the in the like mid nineties, well, the the early nineties, but. The mid nineties is obviously when when uh, when they got taken out. But the yeah. I was doing all clubs and stuff then, and people always used to say, "Oh, you know, if you're doing anything in Essex, you know, be careful because they're just terrorising people, shaking people down, and whatever, whatever." Yeah, I think there was quite a lot of doormen that were doing that. Yeah, I mean, we always had our own door team, so we and we always went over there, and we never had any problems ever. But you know, the the but people always said, that, you know, they are. Like shaking promoters down, they are fucking, yeah. you know, but bullying people basically. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you really, but these people needed bullying because they were, uh, as in assholes, you know, they were bringing drugs into the clubs, and then, you know, I know just, I'm talking yeah. about the promoters. I'm not talking about oh. the drug dealers. I mean, you know, but I'm talking about the actual promoters. Promoters were, used to say that they were getting uh, shaken down, bullied, terrorised, oh. and 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 I think also, you know, when when. Uh, when when drug dealers were getting, you know, one of the moves that Craig Rolfe used to do was obviously get drugs, call drugs on off people, and then they used to rob, rob them. Rob the drug um, dealers. And, I mean, it's in a way, it's genius because they're not going to ring the police, are they? <laughs> but um, but there's, there's going to be a point where they do it to the wrong person. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people said, yeah, there's lots of conspiracy theories around why they got killed. One of them was because they threatened to kill Mickey Steele and Jack Wilms. They set them up. Another one was because of Leah Betts' death. Another one was because they'd robbed the wrong dealers and it was connected to some firm. So, you know, there's so many yeah. stories. And it's, you're and never going to find out the yeah, But it's great because, yeah, because yeah. It, 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 it's a bit like having a Rubik's Cube yeah. that you can never solve. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And everyone's going, well, I want to know what the answer is. I want to watch this film. And every time you see... There's a new documentary to tell the truth about the Essex boys, mate. It's probably really <laughs> basic, but really what happened, it's really basic, you know what I mean? It's probably, they went down there, got killed, but the only question is, who did it, you know? Um, well, it was uh, Nipprellis' dead dad, wasn't it? Well, you've got to look at who gained the most. Now, if it was Leo Betts' dad, now he's a professional, he would have gone for the people that actually Handed her the stuff, right. not the people that. And it, there's there's no proof that it was Tony. 
give it a stuff. It could have been another dealer. Yeah. So being a professional, me probably, I would, if it was me, I would have gone to the one who looked on the camera, see who she brought it off. That's the one I would get. You know, I wouldn't be worried about all the other ones. I'd get him. You know. Yeah. I mean, to her. I mean, look, he, uh, uh, any parent, right, who's who loses a child, whether it was through That's what I'm saying you've got to go to the right person, through, whether it's through drugs or whether it was through being murdered or whether it was through whatever. If someone was at fault, mm. as a parent, you'd want to do something to that person or you want to see them go out of jail. You want some sort of re retribution yeah. or revenge right. or whatever. Right. But I, I genuinely think seeing um, her father and her mother on television, they look absolutely heartbroken. And you think the guy's, the guy's you know, a respectable person, is, is, is a police officer. You know, I, I just, I, I'd never bought into that thing that he was behind it you know I always thought it was just you know just nonsense and it's and it's easy to say well his daughter died so of course he'd be upset but I always thought that that actual story was bollocks and I, I did yeah. I never bought into that um I bought into the um you know the, the fact they were robbing people and they probably did it to the wrong person and people did say like in London because I used to go to Legends um quite a bit on old Burlington Street and uh People always used to say that they was always like putting it about, and um, I think obviously you know if if you're putting it about and 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 you know you're treading on the wrong toes, um, you know. You're gonna come a cropper. I think yeah. I think I think so. I yeah, mean, I don't I don't think it was the police. So. I mean, like say he's a professional. If he wanted to, he could have got the actual person giving it to her. He wouldn't be going after someone who, you know, was just random giving them drugs out. He would have gone to the person that actually killed her. I know I would. <clears throat> would you go to somebody else, or would you go to the person that's done it? So. The the um and and when he bought that infamous Range Rover F four two four MPE, um, did, did did you ever go? Was you in that car? No, I've seen him in it because he used to come up to it, switch in it, especially if it was like real bad weather. And what I don't understand, and this is like mad, um, you know, three guys get murdered in that car, right? And it was pretty bad getting shotguns blasted in the face and having all your brains all over the car and um and and you know somebody actually restored that car bought it yeah i know it, yeah yeah and sold, sold it sold it for a fortune didn't they right and and you sort of think why would anybody want to fucking have that car but the guy who had it so there was a film that we did and i think it was i think it was it was a rise of the foot soldier free the pat tate story but we we actually got that car. Oh, did you? And we actually said, "Can we borrow the car?" And we paid the guy rent to to, to have the car. Um, and um, the the guy said, "We said, oh, you know, when you've had this car, has it ever been, you know, has anything weird happened?" When you and he said, he said every year, like there's a funny smell in it once a year, and and it was quite eerie, right? And uh, and 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 I think recently, I don't know if it was after Origins. Um, it, I think it was after Rise of Foot Soul Origins, but they actually did a raffle. So whoever owned that car did a raffle with £25 a ticket and you could actually win the car. Right. And I, I know loads of people entered it. I don't know who's got it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it is a crazy... When I was with Tony, he had a red Porsche. Well, they Mazda, but they called Porsche, didn't they? Cause it had a, but it was a Mazda, and he loved that. That was, his, that was his main car all the time when I was with him. And then occasionally I'd say, Ipswich was known for snow. Whenever he came to Ipswich, he had his 4x4, which is the one he got killed in. So that's the only thing I ever had to see. It was this coming up the road 
in the snow, you know. So when when we did uh, the first rise of the foot soldier, we filmed, uh, well, we recreated the murders in Epping, but we used Epping Forest, uh, the actual Epping Forest, because because it looked similar to to the Rettendon Lane, and uh, for a whole week, um, we what we did was we actually got a a, a visual effects specialist who who would actually mould. So they actually got, and this is quite f sick, right? They actually got the the morgue pictures of Tony oh, Pancray, yeah, yeah, and um, they they actually put a mould on the actors, and then they actually recreated the injuries. So on Tony Tucker, if you ever saw that thing, yeah. his mouth was round there, like where he'd been shot in the face, and uh, Craig Rolf, I was out here, and Pat Tate was all you know they were they looked like they'd been you know shot with a shotgun in the face, right. And um, they actually moulded these things and put them on the actors. So when we was actually doing the that scene, it was December, and it was like minus three, right yeah. at night, and we were just freezing our bullets off in this Range Rover, covered in blood, with all the. And then they just and it took. A lot of people won't won't appreciate this, but when you make a film like that, it's it's just hours and hours of just doing the same thing over and over yeah, again, course, over yeah. and over again. And and doing that, I remember at the end of it, I was thinking. Fucking hell, that's probably the the most uncomfortable I've been in my in my life. But one of the one of the scenes for people that have watched the Rise of the Foot Soldier will remember is the when they discover the Range Rover, the farmer comes up to the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Pam's out, don't you? Yeah, and and what happened with him? Um, it was he's played by an actor in the film, obviously. Yeah. But he was a psychic, and he actually freaked out when he came up to the car. And we actually said to him, you know. Um, because when they do the the rehearsal and then they do a take, but they normally shoot the rehearsal. And when when they did it, he sort of went and he like properly freaked out. And 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 we was just like, fuck him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he looked like he was over egging it. But there's and, a woman that done it as well, wasn't there? There was a woman that had something a belonging of Tony's, right? And she said things that only someone there would know, right? You know. But he, he actually said, but bear in mind, this is in 2006 right. when we're making the film, right? So it was, you know, 11 years after the event, right? And and he actually said, we said, like, you know, it was a bit over the top, mate. You go, oh. <laughs> and he went, no, he said, he said, I looked in the car and he said, I could see you and the three guys. Yeah, yeah. He said, there were six people in that car when I was, and that's why I freaked out. So we definitely... Um, if you believe in that sort of spiritual stuff, hmm. there was definitely something... If you're open to it, it or, does or, come to you, I suppose. Well, well, you know, look, if you're making a film about uh, these people and they obviously died, you know, and, and, it, and it wasn't a peaceful death, it was a violent death, yeah, yeah. you know, their spirits would still be around if you believe in that. And um, they they may have been like, you know, that might have drawn them back. You well, know? we had a shooting in Ipswich, which closed us down in the end. And I went up there to see a friend of mine. And as I went past the club, I took a picture. Because it's closed, you know, we shut down, never going to go back there. When I put it on my laptop machine, there's a figure standing in the bushes. Yeah, but I didn't see the person who was shot. He was shot, laid on the fire exit. And then this figure was standing in the bushes. You can see it clear as day. So I sent it to a few of my DSs. And they said, that's the guy. He was a, a IC3, black guy. And he had dreadlocks. But the thing is, you can't stand there. Because it used to be a mill, there's a 10-foot drop right the way round because it used to be a mill where they threw the... So this guy, on a Wednesday afternoon, 
is standing there, and you can't unless he's ten foot ten, and he's just standing there. Why would anybody be standing there in the bushes? And it was exactly the same place where they laid the guy in when he died. So that was a spooky that is spooky, one. yeah. Yeah. And what was what was that over? Was that just a gang thing, or was it? Well, a... we had the So Solid crew come down, and they caused a big problem. There was a stabbing. Right. So I went to the boss and said, "Listen." Don't have these again ever. They were doing like fifty pound a ticket, so it's good money when you think it held three thousand people at the club, you know. So months later, he goes and does it again, doesn't he? And I couldn't get the doorman in because by the the doorman working pubs, and then after the pubs, they would come in the club just to make a bit more money. So I had about six, seven doormen, and we were overwhelmed, you know. By the time they could get in, they couldn't because the police shut the whole of the town off, wow. and the guy. Well, they said he was shot in the club, but he wasn't shot in the club. He went outside and was shot. And then they brought him in, put him on the thing, tried to do first day, but he died. You know, only a young lad, I don't know, about 20s. 20s. When was that? When, um, oh, it'd be the end of so 10, probably about 20 years ago now. Yeah. Just before they shut us down. Because that, because... They cause shut us down on, just before Christmas. Because we, 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 we was doing Gary's Nation then, and... We discovered a So Solid crew. So yeah. the So Solid crew, in the, back in the day, Mega Man and Romeo were just two MCs and they yeah. used to MC at air events. And uh, we was at a New Year's Eve event and uh, Mega Man said to me, um, he said, tell, he goes, we're going to set a crew up. You know, we're going to... And, and obviously they were garage. They weren't... They, they, even though they were... Yeah, they it wasn't them. It was the people they were bringing in well, from I, London. I think, I think the problem was, right, is, is that there was, there, there was a gang, right? Social crew is a gang of you know guys from South London. Um, there was the Page Go Cartel. That was a gang of guys from another place in London. There was this, so so you had these crews, um, which um, you know were all set up, and they were obviously if you got a North London crew, an East London crew, a South London crew, West London crew, obviously they all hate each other. Yeah. And obviously you know if and the problem with with the Gary scene was you'd have an event. And obviously you'd have everybody from North East, South West London there, and then you'd have all the crews there, and everyone want to kill each other. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we didn't we couldn't cater for something like nah. that, really. I mean, we we in the beginning, it was absolutely fine because because nobody had done a crew before. So when the social had come up, they obviously had that hit. No, what to expect, did they? You know, so people would go, Oh, this is cool, we've got a few MCs, we've got a few DJs. It was like a novelty. Um, but then I think what happened was I think in the late nineties in London. And, and all up and down the country, Manchester, Birmingham. Um, I think the drugs changed. And I think that when you used to go to garage events, you'd wear a suit, be about champagne. They say it's about being stush, right? So the girls would all be dressed up and it was all like a classy affair. And then I think when the crews come in and when the music changed and then when the drugs changed, people started coming in tracksuits, yeah. sunglasses. You know, it was all about, you know, machino. It wasn't about wearing a suit and, and, you know, looking cool. It was about streetwear. And I think then, you know, you got these people off these estates that would go, great, I haven't got to get dressed up. I can just rock up in my tracksuit and I'm sweet. And obviously, you know, the, the things they were all rapping about and singing about was what they knew about. But I think it's a little bit like these <coughs> rap songs, you know. Um, people take what the rappers are saying literally. Yeah. And then they start thinking, oh, you know, I've got a carry a knife, I've got to carry a gun, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And what was interesting about um, the, the, that year, and I think, and I'm doing this from memory, but I think it was like 99, 2000, mm. and we had a club in Ionapa called Emporium. And I said, look, why don't you come down and be a residence in this club? And then they went to number one. 
So obviously, when we opened the club in Ionapa, they was like number one, top of the pops, and, and they're in our club. So we obviously rammed it out. And, and we had probably about a year or two years, I'd say probably 2001. So we had like 99, 2000, 2001, where it was fine. And then all the shootings and all the nonsense started. Yeah. And then what you said, there was a heartless crew, there was a so solid crew, and it yep. was like wherever they went, there was a stabbing, there was a shooting. Yep. And I remember vividly somebody um, saying to me, it was a club owner, and he said, look, you know, and I went and booked the club and said, I want to book the club. And he said, well, what music is it going to be? And I said, Garage. And he went, who's playing? And he was like, no. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, why? And he goes, because we just can't. Because their licenses are going to get taken away. Yeah, yeah. So we're not going to risk it. And obviously that license did get taken away. Yeah, well, we had a, a manager who got a little bit greedy, I think, because they were charging £50 a ticket, 3,000 people, because we, we had a pub downstairs, Trader Jack's. Right. So 3,000 people, £50, you're going to take a risk, aren't you? Well, I think you are, but then you need to have the right security. You know, well, you needed to have He didn't tell 20. any of us. It was so solid crew again. Right. So we had... I had 20 doormen coming in, but it was only six of us. And we got just overwhelmed, you know what I mean? There was people just coming I mean, if in, I'd have done that... Fire exits and if, stuff. If I'd have done that, I'd have had 30, 30 doormen. Yeah. And I'd have had two two dobermans. You do it on where the layout is, really. 20, 20 would have been perfect, you know, because it was kind of like a round circle. So you could put people at the top and they could see everywhere, you know? The only reason yeah. I always went for 30... I, go, I always add, uh, you know, t t 10 people for every thousand. That was in my head. And it didn't matter where you were because you thought if it goes off and if there's 20 or 30 fellas, yeah. you See, need... I, I wouldn't do it in the sense that I would add these guys for 20 or two years. Yes, yeah, so And you I don't want 30 doormen and have to say, oh, it's a bit quiet tonight and turn away 10. So I used to always go under a little bit. He must have known, though. He sold all the tickets. <laughs> no, 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 no. I say he didn't tell us. It was the second time he didn't tell us. First time was fine. That's what way. I mean. But if he'd have told you, you could have prepared for it, right? You could have yeah. yeah. got some dogs. <laughs> But um, the first time there was stabbing in the car park, which, you know, no one do it with us. And then I never followed that music. A lot of guys did, but I didn't follow that music. Then uh, he said he wouldn't do it again because a girl, one of the barmen, got it with a bottle. It was a few silly little stuff, you know. So, but two months, three months later, he did it again. As amnesia goes, we go again. Yeah, did it again, didn't he? So, but it got popular, so we was even busier. So, but like I say, they, they, it was just before Christmas. Yeah. And they shut us down straight away, you know. Um, and, and when you look at, um, you know, your, your your years on the door, what would you say was the was the, wor the, the worst things that you've seen in, in your year being on the door? I've seen a 10-year-old Nicky's dad car and run people over. I've seen... Who was that? Well, he was in Ipswich. The guy who we did an under-18s party here. This boy, he was, what, 10, 11. He had a row with his girlfriend. It, they... Finished, he went home, got his dad's car, waited outside. When they crossed the road, he ran them over. What, the boys that he had the argument? Ten-year-old, he nicked his dad's car. It was an automatic BMW, a big one as well. As the girlfriend and his friends went across the road, he ran them over. I mean, Ipswich sounds like a fucked up place. I've never been, but it just sounds... Well, we had, because we had a bridge next to us, we had people jumping off the bridge. Same as Kingston, they do the same. Uh, what, for a laugh or because... No, no, because they want to kill themselves. So suddenly you see, like, police cars, fire engines, blah, blah, blah. I've got a couple of commendations for saving two girls on the bridge. The first one, she jumped over the bridge, was on the edge, and I ran over Now I don't know why I said this to her. I went, come back, I'll buy you some chips. <laughs> even, even she looked at me enough to say, are you leaving? <coughs> so I chucked my belt over her. 
dragged her out, pulled her, put her on the floor, police come, blah. Months later, because she was a gothic, she was all like punky, gothic y, you know. Months later, this girl's walking towards me, got a dress on, nice top jacket, holding this guy's hand. She came to thank me. So that was really nice. She went, like, and I looked at her, I'm looking at her. She went, oh, I jumped over, you saved my life, thank you very much. Give me a cuddle, walked off. I reckon, I reckon the chips. Chips was a, that no, was I, the same, that was a life saver. I had one in Kingston. Oh, she was just about to jump over the bridge and she was studied, started telling me all the sad stuff, you know. Uh, my mum had left her dad, blah, blah, blah. And she had all cuts all over her arm, you know. And she was only probably 18. So I said to her, she was telling me all her grief. I said, I lost my wallet with all my money and my cards. And she kind of felt sorry for me. So she started chattering me. Then the police come, because it's cameras, they come and took her, you know. But it was just a random thing. I said, well, I, lost my, I didn't lose my wallet. Right, I just right, right. was trying to take her focus. Where, was, where, where did you work in Kingston? What was the club? Prison. Oh, the prison. Right. Oh, no, I was at Viper Rooms oh, then. Viper Rooms. I just took over. But I'd just come off Stringfellas, yeah. 10 years at Stringies, yeah. and then I went to Viper Rooms. Right. And the bridge is literally on the club. You know, so. Wow. But, yeah, some weird stuff, because I, I just, they just went, put the chips over was the funny one. She went, <laughs> I was some mental weird, you know. <laughs> but you can see all the bar, uh, shopping trolleys and the bricks. She'd have jumped. She'd have killed herself straight away. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it is, I mean, again, it's, there is in this country, and probably the world right now, there's a lot of problems with mental health and there's a lot of people that are struggling and there's a lot of people that are, you know, thinking that's the way out, you know. It's the knife situation. We do a search and we find knives probably once a week, twice a week, hidden. I had a Borough Command Award. Um, there was two, uh, two teams. There was some Somalians and some guys having a row. I got in the middle of them to get back, you know, what are you doing? And then the Somalian guy pulls his top up and he's got two drunk carving knives. So, but there was the other Somalian moved back a little bit, so I thought, right, so I palmed him in the nose and he went, ah, like that, and then I flipped him over and landed on top of him. Did your signature WWE my move? WWE move, finishing yeah. move. <laughs> the, um, the other, my other DS is run over and made the knives safe, but big carving knives, took them back, and then I got an award for bravery and Borough Command. I had to go to this big police station in um, just past Kingston, and uh, they were given awards for bravery uh, to all the police. I felt bad being there because some of the stuff the police had to do, machetes, oh, there was loads of stuff, and I felt real bad being there for what I did. One of my but, friends, uh, he um, he trains the Met in, in unarmed combat, and, and he said that he actually went back, um, and he's now training them because... These people that are up to no good have worked out they're wearing uh, yeah. stab-proof bulletproof vests, so they're actually not stabbing them in the stomach now. They're stabbing them under, under the arms to try and the kill legs. them. To try and kill them. So, so they're now being taught. And you think if you're a police officer on whatever they get paid, and yeah. someone's saying, "Look, we're going to teach you how to stop people stabbing you in the armpits to kill you," and all this, you'd be thinking, "Why am I doing this?" <laughs> I mean, it's well, I suck with this unit that they use. The police use them for real bad, nasty people. And they all look like doormen. They all noses are like that. They're buffed up, you know what I mean? They're scruffy. And there was about seven of them sitting with me. And they'd all got an award for um, uh, some machete thing going on. And uh, I was looking at them. I was thinking, cool, the doormen are better looking at you guys, you know? <laughs> but the things that they had to do, you know, some because they read out all the things you had to do. Uh, they did. Yeah. So, you know, there was a jumping in the, a jumping in the river, December and freezing cold, saving some girl's life. 
he got a, a barracamond. Yeah. But there was loads of them. It was, it was even a dog there that got a barracamond. Wow. So, yeah, but these guys had stopped this um, armed robbery and were attacked. And uh, they dealt with it, but they all got old. But they were a rough lot, you know. They just used this unit. They did say the number of the unit. It's like a special unit. They just send them in for armed robbers right. or people that are violent. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you need. I mean, I mean, at the moment, if it does feel in London that uh, you know that it's very difficult to police because there's so many people committing crimes. Um, you know, there's the knife crimes. I think the police are worried. I think the police, you know, they, they're not going in as quick as what they're used to because they're worried about getting killed themselves. You don't know what someone's got. You know? I mean, it's the same with, you know, you weren't in the shop. You know, people are now talking about the shoplifting crisis, yeah. right? And people are going, you know, why don't, why don't they stop it? And it's like, if somebody is desperate and they're going to go into a shop to steal food so they can eat, if you're, you're on £10 an hour... And you stop them; they're going to probably attack you or stick a knife in you. Yeah, but you, you see really, the security do, in these really, Tesco's. Do you really want to risk your life for yeah, fucking ten quid now? Right. No, that's right. And, and it's and it's and, and any money really. Yeah. But but I think I I I don't know why. You know, we've got to this place, and I don't know what the solution is. But I think you know, unfortunately, um, you know, when when I was doing the clubs, when I was growing up, very heavy-handed. You know what I mean? You fuck about, the police would fucking deal with you. There wouldn't be any of this like, you know, can I pull you over and then they start yeah. filming you yeah, and, and all this shit. It'd be literally like, you, come over here, what are you fucking doing? And then yeah. you'd be like, fucking hell, I'm in trouble. Even if you weren't doing anything, yeah, yeah, worried, yeah, right? Respect squad, but, but now people don't give a fuck. No. And, and in the clubs, you know, anybody steps out of line, they get dealt with. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't any like... I'll do that now, though. No, but that's what I mean. Everyone's I've, got lost a lot of DSs. <laughs> I've lost a lot of DSs. I've lost a lot of DSs very good DSs through, not not in fault of their own, really, you know what I mean? So, but, but they've done this thing, threw a guy out, dislocated his shoulder, you know, because they got hold of him, you know, I've lost lost loads of doormen. But the, the <coughs> we, we had a um, police hostage negotiator on uh, the podcast, and we were talking to her, and uh, she was the inspector of their firearms unit. And we were chatting about, you know, the process, and she said, literally, if they discharge a gun, even if they wound someone, mm. they get suspended yeah, straight away. Right it's away. like you're suspended. We've got to investigate you. We've got him. And she said they could be off work for six months. Yeah. And you've just seen, uh, if you've read yeah, that yeah, guy, that thing, yeah. is 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 <coughs> now going to go to jail for killing somebody, and then all of the up firearms police went. Well, actually, we're all going to fucking walk out now, and and people are going. Well, you, that's your job. You should do it. But the reality is right. If you have a license to kill, which is they get a blue badge, right? And you know, you 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 have to trust these people. That if they pull the trigger, they're doing it because they either feel, think their life's in danger, or and it's not about you know a lot of people will say oh no it's about race or it's about this or it's about that. But genuinely, if you're pulling someone over, and they're known to carry firearms, Meh. or they put their hand in a jacket and you <laughs> shoot them, and then that it it it, it works. And they're actually pulling their mobile phone out. You don't really want to wait for them to pull it out to see. Do you know what I mean? So, well, these are stupid people as well doing something like that, you know, because the police make it quite clear keep your hands, you know, so you suddenly go, Oh, I'm going to do that. I mean, what are you thinking? You're going to get shot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, but I mean, if you look at, you know, Dubai as an example, right? 
that there's very clear guidelines out there. You know, if you do this, you go to jail. If you do that, you might get a part of your body chopped off, right? So if you actually just do that, you'll be absolutely fine. But if you do that or you do that, you want to, I mean, you know, you get caught with drugs over there, you know, you go to jail 10, 15, 20 years. There's no mitigating so circumstances. You drink driving, they put you straight in the cells and wait for your case to come up. Yeah. You know, what do we do here? Let you go home, drive home, let you go home. But the, but the, but the, but, the, <clears throat> but I think that's the only way. And, and, you know, it's happening in New York, it's happening in LA, it's happening all around the world. And I think, you know, the, in the old days, the, you know, like when that guy came into New York to clean New York up, zero tolerance. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's the only way that you can clean up this stuff because if people know there's zero tolerance, then, you know, it's like you either behave or you go to jail. And, and I, know chi- I know children, right, that are carrying knives. Yeah. And you say to them, why are you carrying a knife? For protection. And you go, but if somebody actually pulls a knife out on you, you're going to probably pull a knife out on them. And if you stab them and kill them, you're going to go to jail. And they're like, yeah, but if they stab me, I'm going to die. And, I, you know, I'd rather do it in self-defence. And it's like, but you're not allowed to carry a knife. Well, I had that down and out a couple of months back now. He was, he was having a row and he pulled out a knife, yeah? So I saw the knife, and anyway, you put it back in after he threatened this other down and out. So I got a couple of my guys, and I went, right, let's take him. So I went up and helped him away with his knife, yeah? Took it off him. It was only like a kitchen knife. And uh, as I was holding him up, the police took 20, 30 minutes to come, yeah? So when they came, they took him away. Next night, he's back on the street again. So, I mean, he had a knife, he was waving it about, and when they said, he said, oh, it was for protection. So, but they let him still sit on the street. It was two nights later and he was back on the street. I mean, this guy was waving a knife about. I mean, the, prob- the, prob- <laughs> the problem is, though, you know, for, if, if that person is slightly mentally deranged yeah, but- um, and he decides just to stick it in somebody randomly when they're walking down the road, I mean, that's why they need to bring in... I think the zero tolerance on blades, uh, you know, because because we're not allowed firearms in this country. There's a lot of gun crime. We're not allowed to carry knives in this country. There's, pro- I'd say, probably there's more knife crime now than ever. Yeah, in my day it was Stanley knives. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't too bad. It, I mean, it disfigured you, but it did. It was. You. <laughs> it, did, it took the ear off, <laughs> and then it went through to there, and it cut me through my nose. Oh, did you? Uh, did someone give you a? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what 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 what, what happened? Um, there? Me and Tony, as it goes, me and Tony sorted this little group of guys out. And then well, it was just after Roy Shaw, really. Um, I went to a club with my girlfriend and uh, this little firm turned up. Uh, fight broke out as I was sticking my thumb down one of their eye sockets. Um, got cut. I didn't even notice it. It was just bleeding. And then Bruce, right. who was here doorman, said to me, oh, go in the toilet, Lee, you're bleeding bad. So I went in there and then I could see my teeth. Yeah, I was flapping there, one of, and then they found the craft knife because that was a popular thing. Craft knives because right. they're small, you can hide them, dump them wherever you can, break them even, and they found it in the bin outside. Wow! Yeah, so it went through my nose, through there, through there, and through my ear. Fucking hell! But you know, I've had many now. I've been stabbed, shot, petrol bombed, axed in the hand. Wow! Yeah, over the years. So, yeah. so there is there isn't really that much fun being a doorman, is there? <laughs> You got to think of the money. You got to think of the money, ain't you? So, so what was so 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 with that? Um, I take it did, did did the guy get arrested or did you deal with him? Uh, 
Yes, some, some, are, some, are, some are. You can say no comment if you want. <laughs> well, no, I, I could go into a little detail because it makes me smile. I was in Pizza Hut in South End, and then some. I was at the time he got stabbed. I I, I was in South End in the Pizza Hut, which was crazy, you know. It was a, he was outside the Dickens, somebody. Right. And then, but I had the receipt saying what time my pizza and everything because I kept it. And then someone, well, they don't. Someone done three of them. But they arrested me. But when it went to court, right. I say I never understood this. When it went to court, I had the evidence I was in peace. I when the time happens, you know. Um, they threw the thing out because what they done was they said to them, "Do you know Lee?" And they went, "No," in their statement. And then in, in court, they said they knew me, so they perjured themselves or somehow. Right. But it was funny because I was ready to go away for about eighteen years. You know, they tell you that. So I had all my stuff with me. Right. Got rid of everything. Give me girlfriend. Anyway. So we came out of the court, uh, we cannot try you, Mr Chapman. So we came out, I sat in the car and I looked at her and she went, what hell happened? <laughs> We'd been going to court for about three weeks. Wow. So it was thrown out, so nothing happened. But they, but that, 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 but, but they, if you believe in karma, hmm. um, the, you know, they did that to you and then obviously someone stabbed them to see how they liked it. So. Yeah, well, one got crossed the belly, right. another one got his arm and the other one got his cut across his head. Yeah. yeah. So obviously it was only really just... Slashed. It wasn't like they got. Yeah, they weren't stabbed. Well, the one in the stomach. They had to clip his stomach. Um, and and the other stuff with the axe. What was that? Oh, the guy was just crazy with this. Uh, like a you know a little mini wood axe. Yeah. Was and this somebody to, you threw out of a club? Or you yeah, just... and he went with me with it, and I put my hand up, and it went in my hand. Fucking. Hell. I mean, I, petrol it... bomb was the funny one. <laughs> guy, guy, How could that be funny? Guy turns up at the door, and he's got blood all down his top. So I said, you can't come in like that. And he went, you wait there, I'll blow you up. And I went, you've been drinking out the Orwell, which is the local river. Right. And he looked at me and he walked off. So I'm just standing there, letting people in. So I did this, bang. So oh, shit. So the time I ran towards this guy, he'd thrown another one and it hit the floor. By the time I got round to the other side, because he was behind the fence, he'd ran. And, he, and this was, oh, this was December. Now all my deaths has come running out. And he jumped in the Orwell which is a big, like, I'd say it was a sea. And he swam across to the other side. By Where then, was this in Ipswich? Yeah, by then, he, um, by then the police had come. So they all piled down everything and, and then they got him out, yeah. He got done, he got six years for endangering life. He was on his uh, stag party. But what happened was, as he went to the river, there was an off-duty officer on a bike and he pushed him off the pier and he landed on a boat and broke one of his legs or something. Right. But we didn't find him for ages because we had, uh, uh, like that. <laughs> when we looked over, this geezer's laying on a boat. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, I mean, you. I think you should do a movie or a book <laughs> about you know door stories. Then I was stabbed in the shoulder. Uh, this was in Romford. Geezer, uh, I was stabbed in the knee as well, but that's a rubbish one. He stabbed me in the shoulder, and the knife was in there, and you could hear it grating on my bone, and that was so painful. They put a donut around it, which they call a donut. I mean, I don't know you about first aid. They make a donut with a cloth, put it over the top of a stab wound. Went there and uh, was in hospital for a couple of days, and it was, it was sorted out really. Wow. Yeah. I mean that that, I mean the axe, the stab, the slash. I mean you haven't been shot though. Yeah. Oh, you haven't been shot. Got shot out, hit the floor, rebanded up, and took a chunk out of my foot. But where was that? Was that in his? It was in Romford. Wow. Yeah, he drove past. But the funny thing about Romford, Hollywoods, I don't know if you know it. You can come round, but you can't get out. You have to turn around and come oh, back right. again. 
But as you come back, you shot the ground, it hit the floor. A spring up and hit me in the foot. Fucking hell. So, so you've been shot, stabbed, petrol bombed and slashed. Yeah. Is there anything you haven't done yet? Has you got anything left on your, your wish list? <laughs> 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 no, except for knuckles broken and... Was that just eating people? Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Because it's it's annoying if, if they move their head and you hit them on the top of the head rather than on the jaw. Well, it's, it's, sometimes it's a force you do, you know. In the ring, people, people I've had really lots of boxers, well, a few, you know, about four or five of them. In the ring, you've got gloves on. But without the ring, you ain't, you're, you're in trouble because that hurts, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. If you've got boxing gloves on, it hurts, but yeah. it doesn't. How many fights did you have when you used boxing? Well, I was at Berry Boys for about six years. Um, then uh, afterwards, I sparred with... Tony, I sparred with uh, Mick Kelly. Yeah. I sparred with Danny Ben, yeah. which is Nigel Ben's brother. Very good boxer he was as well, but he never, he ended up getting put away for a kidnap. Oh, really? But the nicest guy as well, you know, you trained with him, he never swore, he was always polite to people. But, you did know. you get to know Nigel? Yeah, I know Nigel, because Nigel did DJ at our club as well. Yeah. yeah lovely guy, Nigel. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. He went his off. son Connor's great as well. We was in a yeah, no, movie as well. They, they, meet, they met him. He wasn't born, I don't think, when I knew Nigel. Right. Frank Bruno had a row with. Oh, really? Yeah, now this is a clever one because I was in the VIP, my girlfriend, he's come in, banged me on the shoulder. So I've turned and gone, what? Was this in Romford or Yeah, Romford, oh, yeah. yeah. He's banged me on the shoulder. I went, what? And he went, you were my girlfriend. I went, was I? And I don't know what he's talking about. And I went, oh, right. And I turned me back whenever he banged me on the shoulder again. I turned around again, what's the matter with you? Anyway, you root to my girlfriend. So I thought, right, I'm just going to punch him in the throat. I ain't going to try to box with a geezer. I'm just going to whack him in the throat. And he must have read my mind because when I looked at his throat, he backed right up. Right. And then, then Kaz, you know the Kaz, a big black guy. He's, he's wrote a book and stuff. I think so. Yeah, he was looking after him. He got in between us. And I just turned around and took him off. But good thing about Frank Bruno is he rang me up and apologised because... I wasn't the head doorman. I was above the head doorman. It was the head doorman that was rude to his wife. Right. So, but he thought it was me. But he rang me out and apologised. He could have just left it. And that's right? good. That's good. Yeah. Did he say no? I mean, Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he yeah, so, so. He's a, I mean, Frank Bruno. I mean, I remember in, in the eighties following his boxing career, and uh, he was a guy that you know we all wanted him to win the world championship, yeah. and he was so funny. And uh, I remember him doing the HP Source advert, frankly. Uh, it's not HP and all that. Yeah. And then, obviously, that fight, when you looked after Tim Witherspoon, well, um, I listened to that fight and I was thinking, Bruno's going to have him. And then he got caught, didn't he? Well, that was it. see, what you don't see on the telly is, we was right on, I was literally sitting on the stage, yeah? When the cameras came round to Frank, he was gone. He was round three. He was, he was out of it. He was gone. So we knew he was going to lose. But you don't see that on the telly because what they do is when the cameras spam round to him, they hit him, wake him up. So he goes... Like this, you know what I mean? But he was literally passing out on the chair, round three. Really? Yeah, so... Was it, was it, was it the 11th round? He yeah, yeah, out? I don't know if he lasted that long, because every time they brought me back to his chair, he was... <laughs> and it's like I say, when the cameras come around, they wake him up again. Like, was, it, was that because of the, the, the his fitness, or was that because he was getting, like... Ah, oh, Witherspoon was, like, trying to punch a brick wall, you know what I mean? It, it was just impossible work. You, you could hear the punches that Frank was doing to him, and he was just smiling. And he was a lovely guy as well, you know what I mean? Really, really. He was a great fighter, Tim. He was a yeah, great fighter. I'm glad. He, yeah, he went, he went spectacular, but people just used to wear themselves out on him because he was so tough, you know? I think, I think um, everybody in England, when Frank won, uh, 
won a WBC title. That was everyone was happy because he finally got it. Yeah. And um, you know, and the good thing about Frank is whether you thought he was a good boxer or not, um, he gave it his all, and um, he had it with everyone, didn't he? I mean, he fought Tyson, and um, he never sort of backed down. And I think that was admirable. You know, yeah. at that time that he, he'd fight anybody. And I met him. Um, funnily enough, probably about about two years ago. And obviously he suffered quite a bit of his mental health, but um, he's uh, he's putting together a movie. Oh, is um, he? Of yeah. his life? Yeah. Um, which, you know, because he was a great British show, wasn't he? And uh, yeah. finally I'm, did it. I've got Foreman's one ready to watch, you know. That right. looks good. I watched it. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. The guy who plays him is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, phenomenal. And uh, his story's, you know, just great. How he, it come back at was that 45 or 46 and yeah. he won it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they don't make boxes like that. <laughs> no. Are you a big, big boxing fan? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got roped into it early age, and yeah. you never really miss out, you know. Yeah. Um, when I was at uh, Witherspoons, I met so many famous boxers. Muhammad Ali, I met. But it's funny, really. I wanted to get some chicken off the table, and he was just standing there like this. So I, I pushed him, and he went like that, and I grabbed down for the chicken, and he came back. <laughs> but he was a funny guy. Not a funny guy. What he'd done was his electric in his head was turning and it stops, then it would turn again. So he'd be chatting like this, yeah, you're getting there, just go. Then he'd start chatting away again, you know. Was that, that Parkinson's? It, Parkinson's, yeah, because yeah, I remember, I mean, it was so sad, um, you know, when you see someone like that who, you know, he's such a great fighter and he was so, so, he was like, the, I suppose he was probably the first proper showman, you know, when you yeah. uh, see people trash talking. I mean, he was the master of that. And, uh, you know, but I mean, when he, when he, uh, fought, I mean, he did get some serious damage and I mean, a lot of people say that that was obviously linked to him getting that disease. I don't know if it is or not. He thought it was funny to let people hit him and nothing happened, but now he paid for it, didn't he? But his daughter started boxing, didn't she? Yeah, she was, um, was she in the Olympics or something like that? Did the Olympics something? Yeah. They knew nothing about her now. Yeah. No, she, I think, I think she probably went as far. I think the problem... I mean, obviously now it's different, but I think when she was talking about boxing, I think the women's boxing was starting to get big. But I think obviously now it's really big, you know what I mean? But I think back then she probably got to the top level. Um, and then and then maybe she just went, well, I can't go any further. I, I actually don't know, but I did actually see a couple of fights and, uh, you know, it, 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 I don't know what happened to her. You know, it'd be interesting to find out whether yeah. she's still fighting or whether she's give up or whether she just got to that top level and mm. stepped out. So, so if anybody's watching this and they're thinking about, you know, going on the door now, what would your advice be? Oh, it's a lot easier now, but you've got cameras everywhere. Um, you don't need to be big or nothing. I've got some blind endowment that work for me, are brilliant at takedowners. You know, they could take down anybody. So take down someone on the floor, no matter how big or strong or whatever, you, you've had it, you know what I mean? And they're only little guys, you mean, 12, 13 stoners. You so know? Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you reckon that? Yeah, a lot, of them, lot of them, lot of them do Jiu-Jitsu, yeah, but... Um, I mean, I've got a guy called Bash. It's, that's not his nickname. His name's called Bashano or something like that, but they call him Bash for short. Wow. One of the best takedowners. And you can see in his face, he's never feeling that, you know, he's got no fear. You know, and a brilliant guy, brilliant guy. And there's a few others, you know, but they're all good, brilliant good takedowners. They wouldn't hold it up in the ring or in the, having a scrap with someone. The problem is now, I suppose, if you, if, if you work on the door now, there's no and, punching. And you do hit somebody, you're fucked, isn't you? No punching, no. That's what I got from Tony, really, because nine times out of ten, I've very rarely punched anybody in the whole time, 43 years now. I've only probably ever punched 
five people properly. I've always slapped him, and I got that from Tony, because he just slapped people senseless, you know. <laughs> I looked quite a few things I picked up from Tony, but I was young, you know. I was like, oh, okay, okay. So how old was you, was you uh, and Tony? What was you, like, a couple of years? Tony was about 30, and I was, uh, I was just coming up to 20 by then. But I'd done door since I was 17 at the place called Round Acres, which is in Basildon. It's like a theme place I did. And then uh, I went off to the sports centres, and that's when I got, do you want to come and do door fantasies? Well, Bazard and Romford and Ipswich are all, all a bit crazy. And Bedford. I worked Bedford. I had two clubs in Bedford, Mission and Nexus. Now, it's all gangs there, you know, and they, they all take their metal bracelets off and want to punch you and stuff. You know? But Mission was the best club. It was so popular. And he had it for about a year, two years, and sold it for quite a lot of money, you know, like three million. Wow. Yeah, but that was a really good club, really. Didn't that, have much was trouble. Was that Tony who had that? No, Tony was gone by. Right, okay. Tony that was, was, gone that out was of somebody he's worked with. Yeah, yeah. The manager of uh, manager of Hollywood's Ipswich went off to Bedford and managed two clubs, called me in. So it was a good little number. So, so yeah, so if anybody's watching this and they're worried that they're going to get axed, stabbed, <laughs> petrol bombed or yeah. shot, um, <laughs> blown up. But, but yeah. do you know what's really funny? Like when we, when we was doing air thing, Air door team were like an in-house door team, and uh, they always had a policy that if anybody said they was going to shoot, blow up, kill, do anything, they would actually grab hold of them. They wouldn't let them go away just in case yeah, they come back. <laughs> no, nah, don't work like that. No, we're not allowed to do that. Yeah. I know but this was in the nineties. Yeah, though, yeah, not, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, in Bedford, it was say all gangs and stuff, but we never had any, no nastiness. You know, it's what I was called dirty. But Romford, quite a lot of dirty. Southend, a lot of dirty. <laughs> you know, I mean, some of the stuff you'd go, how can they do that? You know, I find people very volatile nowadays as well. You know, you could turn around and just bump into somebody, and they, in my day, they they have a fight with you. But these want to kill your family, do your mum, and and they come out with you, and you think it's only bumped into you, you know. And some of them say to me, "Are oh, you racist?" Because I won't let him in. I go, my boyfriend's black, and then it confuses him because that covers all aspects. Then, right. and then they want to go and suck your mum. I mean, what's that about? You know, some of the stuff they come out with. You know, I'm going to come and butcher your children, all because you won't let them in the club. Do you, I've, do I've you, had people climb on the roof and try and get in the skite line, oh, just to get into the place. You know, it's mad. I was, I was standing there, someone's going, "What the hell?" I we had a few people that did things like that when they. Try, try to sneak in, a, like when we used to do uh, Stratford Rex or Brixton Academy, people would try and climb up the, the drain pipes and sneak in the like windows and stuff. And you'd actually see them and you'd grab their fucking yeah, legs yeah, and yeah, pull yeah. them down. Yeah. And, 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 and it'd be like, just go to the front and pay to come in. You know what I mean? But they, they'd do anything to get, not yeah, pay. It's, bad, isn't it? it's like the walls are made of cocaine or something. I mean, they've got to have their fix. <laughs> I mean, and the girls, girls are just as bad. I've had this little girl, she must have been. Six stone wet, she ripped all the barriers down because we wouldn't let her in. And I look, and then I had one the other day, he wanted to kill himself. He was in his 20s. I've got nothing. First thing they say is, I've got nothing. That's the, and then you know they're serious. And he wanted to kill himself. You know, for what? You know, he's only 20. I mean, can you remember when you were 20, what you were like? Well, I Gel, girls and. Yeah, you had nothing. You, fun, we, we, you know? we all had nothing, but we was all sort of trying to get something, weren't we? Did you, did you, um, so how old are you now, Lee? 60 today. Well, oh, well yesterday. Yesterday. Well, happy yeah. birthday for yesterday. Thank you very much. And, and um, are you, but you're still working on door now? Yeah. 
I'm kind of um, like a help. Uh, how do I put it? You got Ed Dorman. I'm kind of above them. And um, I, when we do the uh, concerts, yep. which I'm a watcher. I stay across the road, or I literally watch to make sure nothing goes on bad. You know, some single entries. We don't allow single entry anymore. There's quite a few rules we do in uh, Kingston. You know. Uh, well, well, when you say single entry, what do you mean? If you're on your own, we don't let you in off your own because of the young girls and you know. So some strange guy would come in on his own. We don't let him in. We just don't let single entry. Do you know something? And if something happens to you in there, say you drink too much, pass out. Everyone's going to step over you. They're not going to care, but you need someone with you to come and get us. You know, we had a guy who stopped breathing, and because he had someone with him, they came and got us. We saved him. Imagine if he was on his own. Wow. So we don't allow single entry at all. You know what I'm saying? I would never have thought of that, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's smart. And I've, the other thing I want to discuss with you, right, because, again, I know this is a, a massive problem at the moment, um, with the drink spiking, and with the people getting injected with this shit, whatever it is. Um, have, uh, I mean, how do, 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 do The problem with that is you get a lot of people saying this and it's not really happened, you know? Right. So my club, we've never, to be honest, we've never had, I've been here 11 years now, we've never had no spiking, no injections, no nothing, but we've had a lot of people say they have. Yeah, we've got medics that work with us. So we have a literal medical room. So they go in there, if they say this, say that, and the medic comes up to me or the head doorman and says, it's rubbish, it's rubbish. You know, so it doesn't happen. 99% of the time it doesn't happen. Right. I mean, I've, 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 I know people who've had it done to them. Um, so I, I know it does happen, but maybe not where you are. But um, oh, no, I don't say it doesn't happen, but not as bad as what it, you know, they make it out to be. But I... But I it's sort of like, how do you stop that? Because, um, you know, it's, I mean, my, you know, my, my son, someone done it to my son, actually put something in his drink and, you know, he was all disorientated, didn't know where he was and all this fit. And, and somebody said, oh, that fella put something in your drink. And I actually said, well, fucking, you know, but, but he just fell off, wow. right? So, so people were just going out doing this for a laugh watching people like have a funny turn or, or pass out. But this thing with it, but I think a lot of it is happening at these sort of university type clubs. I don't think they're happening maybe in the mainstream clubs, but I know a couple of people, people's kids that have gone to these things and yeah. they've woken up not knowing where they are. And, you know, look, you can get pissed and black out. But You have three elements, don't you? You have the ones that know they've taken it and it's pissed them up. And then they turn around and say, oh, I've been spiked. Then you've got the others that are spiked. Then you've got the others that cry wolf. Right. So it's an odd one, really. But I think the more knowledge people know about it, yeah. the more I mean, they I, will be careful. If I go out, there is no way, like even now, that I will leave a drink on the no. side. Well, you, you, no you way. Remember when back in the day, people used to leave their bags on the table and go and have a dance. Or, or you know, it's like us putting their wallet on the table, going and having a dance, you know? So that, you've very rarely done it. I've done some other cover, undercover work at the Strand, catching people stealing phones and anyway. And the amount of people I see go to the toilet and leave their bags wide open and I oh, crazy, you know? But like I say, in nightclubs now, you very rarely see a bag there and them yeah. going to dance. And I think that's how it get with drinks. People just be so wary of it. It just won't happen, you know? Yeah. What 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 problems do you face now in the clubs? Is it is it is it just people just getting well, too drunk or? SAs, sexual things, really. Right. We, we abundance with them. 
because I had, a, I had a young boy, he went through the door like that, as a girl came through the door, and he grabbed her tit. Now, is it his fault or her fault, or anyone's fault, really? Well, that's they, an accident, right? But they arrested him, put him in the cells, told his mum and dad what had happened, that he'd grabbed the girl's tit and all this, his friends. He spent about two, three days in the cell. They came and got the camera, like the, the camera thing, looked at it and went, oh. So now, when you're dancing, I mean, my, back in my day, probably we used to grab girls' asses, didn't we, you know? And, and it's not a good thing to do nowadays because it's not politically correct, but we used to grab girls' bums, they'd turn around and smile at us, you know? But nowadays, if you grab a girl's bum or dance up close to them, it's class as sexual and you're arrested or you're thrown out of the club. So you and can't... we suffer with a lot of that because we, one of our busiest nights, we have 1,700 people. So, and they're on the dance floor. I suppose the problem is as well if you're walking past someone, yeah, and and they're dancing, and you happen to just brush past them, you know, yep. and and even if you say sorry, they could go, "What? You just yep. touched me!" And then all of a sudden, and then they will tell you, and then you have to grab them and find. We have to kind of look at all the details, tie everyone up, then throw them out, or we ring the police. But but the, the main thing in our club is. Um, Guys chatting girls up and they don't want it. So if you're not a good-looking guy and you're chatting a girl up, you're harassing her. So we have to throw you out. Now, if you're, <laughs> if you're a good-looking guy and she likes you and you're chatting with her, you're you fine. you know something? This is actually why these dating apps are so good now. Because <laughs> people are going, well, I don't want to go and chat a girl up because no. I'm going to get barred from a club or thrown out or yeah. accused of being harassing. So I'll just do the app. Yeah. You know? but, um, you can't, and then and girls it, moan because they go, oh, no, guys, chat me up. I have to go on a dating app, but that, that's probably why. Well, that's why they stopped all the slow dancing, didn't they? Have you, when when did you went to the last club that were doing slow dancing? Do you know, so... They've stopped it. I was having this conversation the other day, and uh, it made me laugh. There was a... Uh, there was a... I, I think it was around midnight, and in the club that I used to go to, it was called the Erection Section. <laughs> and yeah. they used to literally... Put, it was Luther Vandross, Barry White, all the yeah, love songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then literally, all night, you'd be like, I'm a girl or a guy up, depending on, you know, what side you was on. And then you go, right, I'm going to go and ask her to dance or I'm going to ask him to dance. And then you go up and say, do you want to dance? And they go, no. And then you sort of walk off with your tub between your legs. Well, try that one. Oh, yes. Oh, great. We're having a dance. And, yeah. um, and then at the I end... I used to dance on duty. <laughs> Girls used to come up to me, come and have a dance with me. And I used to, and my boss would go, oh, he's having a dance again. But you don't do that no more because... Yeah. Of the aggro it causes, you know, you go up to a girl and say, Guess dance, no, that bitch, or lepo, or make some excuse why she don't want to know you. Dorman, Dorman, chuck him out, he's just called me this, he's called me that. Or come on, let's have a dance, no, I don't want one. Yeah, come on, I just want to, oh, he's harassing me, chuck him out, chuck him out. I mean, the world has gone, I, I suppose the world's gone slightly mad with this, but, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think in the 80s, when this was going on, the erection sections. Um, <laughs> I think it was all done tongue tongue in cheek. You know what I mean? But I don't oh, yeah. think it was. Uh, but but I think I think now we do live in a different world now. And I think obviously yeah, you can't turn around to someone and go stop harassing them and leave them in the club because they're going to come across each other again and it's just going to escalate. So straight out the door and it, you know we throw. Sorry, we escort quite a lot of people out of the club. Wow, a night, a good 30, 40 people. Easy. I mean that's a lot, isn't it? That that's is a lot. lot. And then we've got scanners now. Well, I don't know, you know about the scanners. You put the thing in. Anything they do, they get chucked out. We put a scanner in and we ban them within a 50-mile radius. So they can't go to any clubs. So if somebody is in your club 
and they chat a girl up and they tell them to fuck off and then they carry on and then they say they're harassing them. Yep. You you would then throw them out. Yep. And they're, but then they're banned from everywhere. Is that well, for life well, or is that just for? Well, we have certain levels. So if you're fighting in the club, we ban you. If you abuse us, we ban you for 50 mile radius. For stuff like that, we just ban you in house. But one of the, when I was at Viper Rooms, it closed down. All the people that got banned, how can they go there and get it unbanned? Because the club's not there anymore. Wow. Yeah, so you've either got to ring the council up or you've got to email in and we take the ban off you. But the boss, a very good boss of mine, he looks up and sees, he looks on the cameras, he looks, see what's really going on and he makes a call for it, you know. So it's not too bad. But, um, but that's it. But, a lot, but, lot of know, work. If you go to a club... Behave yourselves. Don't be rude to the doorman, or you might not be able to go out again. <laughs> again, <laughs> wow! Uh, and uh, you have to have your passport or driving license. Yeah. Now this guy lost his passport, and he was going away on holiday on the Monday. Couldn't find his passport, so. Because I turned up at a club, right, that my son was running because he does events. And when I turned up at the door, the doorman said to me, he "said Have you got any ID?" And I said, "Mate, I said, do I look like I'm under eight anyway?" Yeah, so no, no, you, you need to have ID. I said, "Well, I haven't got any fucking ID." And he went, we can't come in there. I said, are you fucking being serious? Yeah. And then the head doorman came and said, no, he's all right. We'll let him in. But... It pissed that, you off by then, hasn't no, it? But, yeah. but the thing is, I, I didn't realise that was the rules. Yeah. To, oh, we've caught a lot of people that shouldn't even be in the earth. Let them know, you know, when we put their ID and it's come up, we've looked, carrying a weapon, carrying a knife, threatening the doorman. Right. Uh, sexual misconduct, you know. Uh, you know it's, it's a good thing to have, very good thing to have, you know. I suppose that's it's like an early warning system, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but it still don't stop all the silly stuff that happens inside, you know. Do you think a lot of that, because people have had a few drinks and... Uh, yeah, you can bump into somebody, and but we've got to react on it. We can't go, we're not judge and jury, we just have to react on that. You've just bumped into the girl, uh, grinded up against her, or, you know, excuse me, you know, we have to chuck them out because it could be true, it could not be, you know. But it's so easy to get it because... Like I say, you've only got to brush up against the girl. And it works the other side way with men. We had a guy who said the girl stuck his hand down her trousers. His trousers. Right. You know, so we had to put her out. Wow. You know, so, but not very rare. But most, I, most guys that I know wouldn't, wouldn't probably complain about that. They wouldn't. <laughs> this, this guy was um, bisexual, so right. he took offence to it. I had one, a gay guy who had a nipple ring and the girl twisted it. So we had to put her out for right. twisting his... You know, you get all manner of stuff, you know, so... And with with your um, with the drug side of things, do you do you still have a lot of problems with people bringing drugs in, or is it a lot? We get we get we have little spurts of it, really. Right. You know, so mainly coke. Right. Very rarely ease. I, I don't think I can't remember last time ease, but because you know what, it's coke, weird. Coke, like, really. It's it's weird because I've obviously I'm fifty two, so I don't really go out, right? But when I what I've noticed is you know when you talk to a lot of younger people. They, they don't tend to go out and pop pills anymore. It seems to be Coke is the thing now. Um, and, uh, you know, even when you go to a restaurant, you see people coming out of the toilets and you know that they've, they're on it. And you sort of yeah. think, you know, you're in a restaurant, mate. Do you know what I mean? Why, why are you doing this in a restaurant? You know, it's stupid. But yeah. um, I think, you know, that... that and, and... I think because it's there and it's cheap now. I mean, when I was doing clubs, they were £25 each, ease. Really? You can make a fortune, yeah. And now then it went right down to two pounds, like, but yeah, we caught we used to catch dealers when it was at Rumford with hundred E's, twenty five quid, you know, E. And that's only him. He, he might have other guys out there. I've caught police in the toilets with Coke 
you know. That's a bit years. of an awkward conversation. <laughs> well, it was a little bit. I went in there and they were, they were in there and we searched them, went through their wallet and there was like a bag of coke in there. And then as I was going through the wallet, I see his badge. So I said, you a cop? He went, yeah. So I went, what happens now? He goes, I lose my job, I lose me, you know, everything. So I went, come with me. And we tipped, tipped it down the toilet and I went, you go. And he went, yeah, yeah, thank you. And I left, you know. I mean, is that, is that a discretion thing as well? Like, normally you just tip down the toilet. Aggro, you know what I mean? If I'd have... No, but what big, I mean is, yeah. I'm talking about oh, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if you get a member of public, do you just literally go, don't do this In, in them there. days, yes, but not now, not now, because everything's camera you know, when we have, we have body cameras. So if I, I go, I'll just you know, go, I'll be booted out straight away, you know. We have to stick, the rules are really tight now. So what are the rules? Anyone with drugs, we... Depending how much, then we put them in a drug bin, kick them out, scan their IDs, and put, i.e., their band. You know? So that's basically. Oh, so it. you it's don't mean the police then? You know. Um, we have done a couple of times, but then they turn around and go, "Listen, if he's not got a carrier bag of Tesco's with Coca-Cola, then we we're not interested." You know what I mean? So. So it's just your discretion. Where you've put it in the bin, but then you always put it on the system. They've been caught with drugs. Yeah. Right, but then that's them. Fuck, they're not going to be able to go out again. Well, we, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, and what, what what do you think the challenges are now for, um, you know, d door staff? Do you think it's just basically because obviously back in the day the doorman used to be have to have be out around the rounds up. Yeah, and yeah. Um, you know they probably just come out of prison, got yeah. no got no but job. Then, but but now it's 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 you've got to be diplomatic. What the what the qualities out that of, you need to have? I have 20, 23 doormen, and out of that twenty three doormen, I've probably got. Eight that you know you'd rely on. The rest, they go to job centres and they give them a job in the door because just to get them out off the dole, you know. Or I'll go Tesco's. I get doorman from Tesco's. I mean, not saying they're bad, but for our club, you you you've got to be real good, you know. And what do you? I mean, do you think? Um, I mean, have you had any sort of proper aggravation, or or has it ever kicked off massively recently, or has it all just been just like silly shit? We get a lot of fights outside and it looks like craziness because they're doing balloons now, aren't they? With the gas cylinders and the balloons. I've never understood that. I know. We have 23 cars all doing balloons and then now we have balloon wars. We, on I Saturday, love that. Before the murder, before <laughs> yeah, the violence. Yeah, balloon wars. We had balloon wars. We had a guy with his head caved in uh, Saturday, Friday. He'd been hit in the head with a gas cylinder. But not our customer, but what they do, they do their dealings, tread on each other's feet and stuff, fine. But, so people are selling balloons? Yeah, yeah. The council give us jurisdiction of the half of the town centre. Right. So we have to monitor half the town centre. So if there's any fights in the town... So you're policing the balloon walls. <laughs> <laughs> so he caned him and... Uh, it's, but now I've stopped my doorman going into it. I've said, no, wait, because they pile into it and I don't want none of them caned with a gas cylinder. Because these guys are only their customers. They turn up in their cars, stay in there selling balloons. So the gas. So when they it. sell the balloons, right? Just so I can understand this. Yeah. They they've got a gas cylinder. They've got and then boxes they, of gas cylinders in their boot. Okay, and they and they're selling the gas cylinder. Or they're selling. They're they, doing the they balloon. Do, they sell anything. Sell the gas. Sell the balloons, or to sell your single balloon for a fiver. And they've got the card taps. You know, so if you want to pay for it by card, <coughs> you can pay for it by card. Is that legal? The only thing that you can be done for is trading standards. And at four or five in the morning, trading standards gonna ain't going to be there. Police just literally drive past. They've got to catch you with a certain amount before they can do anything about it. Uh, 
So, but they're bringing in a new law now, so any luck that should make a bit of a difference. Wow, that is so funny. But Balloon they wars. take the balloons and they fall. They hit their heads on the concrete. I had one guy run across the road and tread on, you know, the little cylinders. Yeah. He tread on one and went straight up in the air, bang, knocked himself Spargo, ambulances, everything. Now, the other night, a girl, uh, sorry, a guy, took the balloon, passed out, started having a fit. We got him on his side because we've got medics, sorted him out. He sat up, laughed, got another balloon, carried on with the balloons, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, one of my, one of my sons, one of my friends' sons, had a balloon and he was actually in intensive care for like three weeks and he was on like life support. Luckily, he survived it, but whatever it was when he done it, it fucked his brain up. And it, you know, starved, is it starved, starves your brain of oxygen, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, you can see their eyes just go, you know. Crazy. I mean, it doesn't sound that much fun to me. But, but, the, but the, when, when the guy hit him, was it with the small canister or was there, was there a big, a big one? Big, big canister, yeah. And he actually just like, just, Bang, smacked him on the head with it. They use them for the weapons, basically. Right. So we have, we have to take them off the street. They throw them in a row. That's what's so annoying. You hear bang, ding, turn around, and they're literally just throwing them in the road. You know, if a car runs over one of them like missiles, right. we pick up 20, 30 a night even sometimes, you know. As we're clearing people, we have to clear them all out of the town, bit, you know, that bit of the town. They... um. We have to pick up the gas cylinders. We found a box the other day of not even opened of what's it, 25, 26 gas cylinders. Right. I mean, the money, they're, they're like £30 a gas cylinder. Someone left them on a thing and we take them and hide them. What, what is, is it helium in there? No, laughing gas, isn't okay. it? Yeah, yeah. I say, because you can't, uh, there, is a, there is a problem with, you know, like, the actual prices of that have gone up. If you actually want to get helium bloom now, it's like massive money, and I don't know if it's because of that. You know what I mean? It's short tripping up the prices. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> people want them, don't they? You know, you can order them online or go into a joke shop and buy them. You know what I mean? The little ones, the little gasiders. First thing I ever came across it was I was on a bus, and the guy upstairs was doing the little ones and just chucking them on the floor in the bus, and they were railing about. And I thought, what the hell's that? And that's when I first ever came into it. But now it's just gone, oh, me crazy. You know? And the smell as well, especially in the summer. It, your eyes start watering, yeah, and you really because the gas gets into the air and blows towards you, and it goes in your eyes. It's real strong because you, you think of thirty odd people doing gas cylinders, and the balloons are exploding. The gas goes everywhere, you know. Right. It's weird. Man. When you was doing uh, doing the door like early on, did you ever come across Lenny McLean? Yes. When I when I fell out with Roy Shaw, I was going home because I used to live in Rush Green, which went far from Romford, and his car. Drove up on the road and cut me up, and he jumped out. And but he kept his distance from me, and he was ranting and raving about costing money. They were going to have a charity fight, like from, <laughs> I, I, I just got the little bits and pieces of it, you know. And he ran, come ranting and raving and uh, saying you cost me a lot of money and all that stuff. And I went right, okay, right, right, come, come closer, come closer. <laughs> so, um, but he kept his distance. He was like ear to where the blinds are, you know. So it's quite distant. Ranting and raving. They, his, two of his mates go, go oh, come on, let's go. Jumped in the car and drove off. But when he got put in prison, he was in prison with one of my DSs. And uh, he used to hate me. He did, for some reason, he took it upon himself to really hate me. You probably cost him the lot. I, 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 did a, I got asked to be an extra in a movie with Lenny McLean. Now, the producer, I did a couple of days, and the producer was looking at me. And he said to me, if I send you some lines, will you learn them? So I went, yeah. So it was to be Lenny McLean. Which was ironic, wasn't it? I did about, I don't know, six weeks of filming. 
Yeah. And um, it was scrapped. It was kicked oh, out. Yeah, it was a bummer. It was. But some of the stuff was funny, you know. I had to stand there in my pants, wife fronts, because you're back in the 60s, yeah. screaming. Uh, and it, some of the stuff I just find like, oh, this is cringy, you know. I had to throw some Chinese in my mother-in-law's face. And then um, Kenny Thomas, you know, Kenny Thomas, the singer. Yeah, yeah. He was my partner in it. And he was a lovely guy, he was. And we had to do lines. and so. But it was to do with Sky. They didn't want no one who was known. They wanted everybody to be, you know. So they rang me up and said it was scrapped. They pulled out. I've got him. Yeah, <laughs> the filming was funny. But my wife in it at the time, in the, in the movie, she was so ugly. You know, she had hairy lip. And now my boy's mum, she is stunning. You know I mean, she looks like a princess, you know, gorgeous. Now I had to make out this one. I had to do romantic things with her. And I'm looking at her and I could see her caterpillar. Right. And I was like, and she was, let's say, a little bit overweight. Right. And I, it was hard to do a love scene with her, you know. But, yeah, there was some funny things. There was Mate, when you're an actor, you, I mean, look at look yeah. at Bobby Davro and EastEnders. Yeah. And he was with Shirley and then, um, who else was there? Yeah, I mean, you know, the... Uh, because he got he got dug out for that like all the time. People go, oh, um, you know, I'm surprised you didn't have a little onset romance with her. And he'd always be like, fuck off. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. But it was beast. But but but, <laughs> yeah. um, but but you know, I think because Bobby Davo was always this sort of young, and and in his time he was like massively famous, wasn't he? He was yeah. like the man on Saturday Night TV. Um, so I think people just dug him out. But um, I think um, that that lady's a great actress. But actually, you know, when you sort of, um, you know, see any of these things, right? And and I'm sure it's the other way around as well. You know, sometimes the the, the really pretty girls have to go with the ugly guys, and they're probably having the same <laughs> conversation where they're going, "I can't believe I've got this fella. I've got to kiss him and yeah. pretend I love him." You know, but um, I always say, whether whether you're with an ugly girl or an ugly guy, it's acting. It's your you profession. Know? Yeah, if you want, and and yeah, it's just like <clears throat> if you're a guy actor. And you have to, you know, fall in love with a guy. I mean, obviously now that wouldn't happen because obviously, um, you know, they they in, in the sort of media, they want people to actually play themselves. So if you're Indian, you can play an Indian. If you're um, an African, you play an African. But you can't have people playing, you know, people that they're not yeah, because yeah. obviously it upsets people. So, um, you know. When I was in Stringfellas, we had a lot of actors, lots of Hundreds and hundreds, and I was in a taxi, and the guy says to me, "Who would you find like was a really good actor?" And I said, "Well, when I was a little boy, I loved the Carry On movies." Yeah, it's brilliant. So Leslie Phillips, I said to him, "Leslie Phillips, you know, I just love the way you have." Oh, three weeks later, or a couple of weeks later, who comes in the door? Leslie Phillips. Now I always mock people when they go, "Oh, wow, wow," and I was like that, weren't I? And I had a, I've got a photo on my phone with me <laughs> and him, you know I me, mean? and what a lovely guy. Now there's some actors that used to come in the club. Were, yeah, well, I, I don't want to name them, but... No, no, you're yeah. right. I mean, the, yeah. unfortunately, in, in, in uh, the acting industry, you've got the really down-to-earth nice people yeah. and then you've got the arseholes. And the, the, they they think that because they're actors, they have... Yeah, they go out of their way to be arseholes. Yeah, and, and you don't need to be. I looked after Edwin Starr right. in Romford. Now, yeah, Edwin Starr, you know, famous singer. Anyway, I lost him. I thought, where the hell's he gone? Where's he gone? I looked out and he was queuing up in a taxi rank. Now, this guy is like Barry White. You know what I mean? He's sung with some of the most famous singers and he's queuing up. And I thought, what are you doing? He was just getting a taxi. Oh, come in, take you back, you know? But, and I thought to myself, what a humble man, you know what I mean? He queues up. And I, I, we do the uh, concerts now. 
Now there was there was a group that we had really famous. Yeah. And he was outside having a cigarette, and this guy went to him. I've come from Wales to see you. And he went, well, you're some kind of C-U-N-T. And the people that were around just went, and I thought, well, I think to say it to somebody, you know. He's, he's probably followed you all his life. But you've lost a fan now. <laughs> fan, yeah, but he lost a lot of fans because, you know, but what an horrible man he was. I mean, the, the, the reality is, you know, in, in, in life, I, I don't think it matters how much money you got or how famous you are or what business you've done. I think you always have to keep your feet on the floor. Yeah. And you have to be polite to people um, because, you know, if, if pe- people always say, you know, occasionally, you know, people say, oh, can I have a picture? Can I have an autograph? Can I have whatever? And always do it. And people always go, doesn't that get on your nerves? And you're like, well, no, because the fact that I actually want a picture with you is better than them not wanting a picture with you. Well, we had right? that Beckley, you know, the one that wears the mask and big icy free guy. Barkley, Barkley. I can't think of his um, famous singer anyway. He walked this woman to Tesco's. Tesco's is down the bottom of the road. And she said, oh, it's really, really lovely to see you. Oh, what a great singer. And he went, oh, what are you doing there? And he went, oh, I'm just going to go to Tesco's. Oh, I'll come with you. And he walked her to Tesco's. I mean, this guy's a... Uh, that's what I mean, but you... you know, unbelievable, you know? Yeah. Really nice. And that, she's going to go... Crazy stuff. That's her story, you know, for the yeah. rest of her life. Everywhere she goes, yeah. she goes, oh, you don't believe this. Yeah. I went shopping in Tesco's. <laughs> But Lee, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, nice. No, I think we've good. had a we've had a good chat. Yeah, and, uh, you've had a like crazy, crazy story, yes. crazy life. I mean, you know, and some crazy and experiences. Some. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was good. It was good that you was around in the nineties. I mean, you're sixty now. Yeah. Um, you're still working on the door. Are you got any plans for retirement or not? Well, I've got a daughter in America, so eventually, I probably just want to go over there, yeah. to see her and stay. She's got such a lovely place. She's a doctor. So I'll probably just go over to there in the end and retire. So Have you got any... Is that in the next couple of years or...? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. No, we, Did you see what happens? I just see what happens. Some, one day I wake up and go, I'm off. Right. You know, and that's it, really. So. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Well, Lee, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you for having me. Thanks for sharing your stories with us. Yeah, lovely. Good, yeah. You brought some, brought some memories out of me <laughs> as well, you know. So good. So, wow. What a great guest, Lee Chapman. He has got some amazing stories... Um, there's not many people who've been petrol bombed, slashed, stabbed and shot, but he's one of those guys. And at 60 years old, he's still on the door. Um, thank you so much for watching the Criminal Connection podcast. Make sure you tune in next week. We've got another amazing guest. Make sure you like and make sure you subscribe on our YouTube channel. And we'll see you on the other side. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.